Uh, Renee, you cut out in the middle of that. Can you say your whole part again? <laughs> and, and now you're frozen on my end. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Kate cannot stop cracking up, so now I can't stop. Her <laughs> face is so subtle. joining us for another episode on Keith and Keith I'm John I'm Renee and it's okay if you're not okay today we're going to talk about transitions because we're all having a lot of them and then also some skills that we can use to help us manage our emotions and our behavior in the midst of those transitions but first a few housekeeping items uh, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Johnson County Mental Health Center or Johnson County government and also, you can uh, help us reach more people with these messages and these skills by sharing this podcast with your friends. You can connect them to jococov.org slash podcasts or, of course, on whatever app you're listening to us on right now. Okay, so transitions, we've had a lot and they've come fast and without warning these last few weeks, but we have transitions in just the normal course of life anyways. So let's talk a little bit about what are transitions and how they impact us and then jump into how we can manage those. So John, help us with that first part about these transitions. How do they impact us? Yeah, absolutely. So transitions, change, we're kind of going to use those synonymously. Um, there, are, um, there, there are big transitions and big changes. There are small transitions. Um, there are expected transitions and unexpected transitions. Um, so from a human development standpoint, there are just kind of life markers that, that will happen. From society's perspective, there are some some different things where you you, you might gr- graduate school, move into the workforce, maybe you you get married, maybe have a kid. So these are some of those kind of normal and maybe even anticipated or expected transitions. Um, what always comes along with change and transitions um, is going to be um, some resistance, uh, some emotions, um, and and some reactions um, to those. And uh, I think that's kind of what we wanted to talk about um, as we go into some of these um, transitions and changes in in our society today, um, but also relate to them just to the normal things that we are overcoming on a regular basis. So some of those transitions, I would imagine the the emotions we experience, sometimes we notice them and sometimes we don't realize that we're having an emotional response. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, a a lot of times our emotions around this are different per the change. You know, we've talked about grief before, you know, we we, kind of understand maybe some of the normal things to expect. What happens when we go through a transition that we have no idea how we should be reacting to it? we may actually not have any emotions to it or, or outward appearing emotions or reactions to it. And, and so making it really difficult to manage those things and, and, and those things that come up. I think, I think too, um, I would like to mention, as you were, were talking, John, man, I've experienced so many natural transitions, unexpected, expected, wanted, unwanted. And honestly, sometimes I'm really great at identifying my emotions, like at the beginning or the middle or the end, or I've managed my emotions really well, or sometimes I haven't. And really just recognizing that sometimes I don't have the recipe, you know, like I don't have my own recipe for, for success. But I think some, some, one of the themes that we always talk about here is I've got to be able to know myself and I've got to be able to at least take a, a look 
or be able to take a look and go, okay, like something's, something's not right here. Um, you know, there's not a skip in my step or there's not a, you know, a positive note in my voice or my thoughts. What do I know most about me? And when I'm not finding that to be true, am I, am I ready to take a, a look internally and being ready to do that at any part in a transition, I think is, is really tough sometimes. Um, and sometimes I don't always, always do it the best, but I, I definitely was trying to think, Ooh, when do I do that the most? I don't know. Beginning, middle, end, after, before, man, I freaked out during all of those times, honestly. Yeah. I think uh, the interesting things about change that we talked about grief, John, you mentioned it in some episodes, several episodes ago, um, and actually did two, two different episodes back to back on loss. And I think that the, the aspect about that is you're able to identify sort of the source of the emotions you're experiencing. Sometimes when you're in the midst of change, you don't even realize what it is about that change that's stressing you out or what, what, it, what, it, what it is about that change that's, that is making you off. And sometimes you don't even recognize that you're off until you're like right. way into it, right? And by off this, you know, that's, that's a real technical term, right? I just <laughs> realize like, whoa, where did that come from? Or why am I responding this way? You just, there's something about it that just clicks with you or clicks with other people and they have to tell you um, that you're just responding differently. That's, that's a really interesting component of change. And, and I think it just to normalize it for people, it is natural for us to be resistant to change. So there's a, there's a concept in a lot of different systems theories of, of, of homostasis. It is our natural inclination to bring balance to the world and to our lives, right? So you may, everybody's like, man, he, just make the change, right? Just do it you might be resisting change just because it's normal and natural to do so. You're not even consciously trying to do it. It's, it's survival, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're just trying to survive. Yeah. So true. Well, I think as I'm listening to y'all, I'm realizing just how much I a needed this conversation myself. <laughs> that's why I'm sitting here <laughs> I think we all do. I think that's probably why we're talking about it. <laughs> I'm processing so much of you all are talking, but I think also recognizing the fact that change does not equal failure. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes that part of that resistance to change or transition is, is because we have our own expectations on ourselves of what we should have accomplished or wished we had accomplished and understanding that change, like you said, is natural. And so it's mm -hmm. going to occur and change can happen even when you've accomplished all of these successes that you were looking for, you'll still experience a transition with it. And so to take some of those, your own expectations off yourself, and if you feel guilt or if you feel like you failed when you experience a transition, I just encourage you, you know, as we talk later on about strategies, to put some of those into play, um, to kind of fight back against some of those natural feelings, but also difficult ones. It's a great time to practice a high level of acceptance of both of yourself and of the situation. Absolutely. So that's a phrase, we use that phrase radical acceptance a lot. Um, I hear colleagues all around Johns County Mental Health Center use that. And I wonder if you all might dive in a little bit more. I have developed my own definition just as like practicing in conversations with people, but I want to hear what the real definition is, not the Keith definition. Keith, oh, I wanted to hear the Keith definition. Keith's a clinician. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I am Keith and I'm going for my 800th master's degree. I'm going to be a clinician. <laughs> oh, no, still, still no. I don't, I mean, for me, when I think of radical acceptance, it's accepting life on life's terms 
and mm-hmm. saying yes to life just as it is and choosing to accept change is kind of how I how I view it or think of radical acceptance and yeah for, for me it's about not taking myself so seriously or the situation um, any more seriously than it needs to be taken I think that's an element to it at least uh, for myself in terms of, of when I'm going through stuff um, it, I think it also allows you to step outside of that thing and look at it objectively and just kind of say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what it is. Now let's remove ourselves from it and kind of explore it a little bit. It, it's so funny. Uh, one of the phrases that I just personally don't care for is it is what it is, but that is almost the best way to describe radical acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, radical acceptance for, for me and, and maybe even in more of a kind of a clinical jargoned world, if you will, is when myself or I'm working with someone and we continue to get stuck in the, you know, but what if, but what if, but why, but why, but what if, and I, or, or that other person just suggests, let's just believe it and then go. Like, so let's just drop every what if, every why, what, every how come, and just go, okay, and move and then step back and, and analyze. So it kind of is like a, like a springboard to the change so that you can get there. And I think that Kate, what you were talking about with just your failures and these feelings that can be such a, a barrier to actually just moving through a change, moving through a transition, that when you take that radical acceptance, it's just like that springboard kind of over the transition onto like the other side of the lake, you know? And, and you get the chance to go, okay, now that I'm here, I can feel success. I can, again, I, I can have show some gratitude. I can learn about myself. I can learn from something maybe I didn't do well on the other end of this. Um, and it gives you just a, a maybe a, a better space for that. One of the things that I know I hear from people a lot when we talk about radical acceptance, because it can be so difficult to implement sometimes. Sounds easy, but it's really not as, <laughs> as simple as it is. Yeah. Is that when you embrace radical acceptance, that is not to devalidate. I don't know if that's a word. Not to take away from what you're feeling and to say, yeah. well, I can't feel sad or angry or mad if I'm doing this radical acceptance because it's supposed to just be what it is. And I want to push back against that for those who are listening because it's easy to go down that rabbit hole of, well, I'm not allowed to feel that if this is what we're doing. And Absolutely. Yep. A radical acceptance says, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm fearful, let's go. Yeah. Right? That it's a, it's a, it's a literally a, maybe a, a confrontation with these are the things I'm feeling and I'm going to accept. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's kind of one of those cool dichotomies that we, we talked about. I know that Keith's talked about a lot, but accepting something, but also recognizing that by accepting you are it is blind faith right just going just going um yep. and moving through something it connects a lot to our last episode about positive reframing too right so when you are doing a positive reframe on a situation it's not saying that the hard or the difficulties or the or the native emotions are not true that they're still there it's yes and rather than yes but there's two other things that we've talked about before on this podcast that I think radical acceptance connects with and not to do a whole episode on radical acceptance, but I think it's helpful in the midst of change. 
But one of them, and, we, and uh, probably this is now one of my favorites, is the idea of spheres of control. So understanding what I can control and what I cannot control and just being able to own that in the midst of change and then letting go of the things you can't control. But then also, always, I'm always good for a Rob Bellism. Brene <laughs> uh, Brown, Rob Bell. I'm glad we make fun of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes we can get so wrapped up in all of the what ifs, as Renee mentioned, that we have to sometimes just start with one, like step one is this, then after step one, then we can do step two. And, and sometimes we get so far down the road in our mind, but I don't know how to do step 10. And so since I don't know how to do step 10, I'm not going to do step one. And really there, and I'm really taking Rob Bell out of context here. Um, starting with one, just the, the one thing, this is the one thing I can control right now is, is the first step and going for that. So that's Absolutely. a transition now into skills about how we manage our emotions and manage change and what are some ways that we can reframe it. So I wonder if we can build on there. Some of the, some of the simplest things that we teach and work with folks in our services and are, are, are around acceptance. So I, I, I love that, Kate, that you said how difficult it is. People spend hours talking to qualified professionals to learn how to truly radically accept or just accept something. Yes, or, yeah. Plus additional hours outside of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And all the, all the practice and all the hard work. Oh, yeah. The other thing that, that Keith brings up is step work. And, and, I, and I don't mean that out of um, in terms of addictions, like step work. I, I'm talking more about taking something that's really big and breaking it down to the smallest step and then only focusing on that one step, not deciding what's going to happen for step two or three or four. We do a lot of how do we break this goal down into something that can be completed between now and next week. Smart goals. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Smart goals. Smart, measurable, achievable, realistic, timely. Yes. Good job. There's something we keep passing over that's really important here is that a lot of the skills that we've already mentioned and some that I know that we want to share about that we talked about pre-show, it requires us to almost take a step out of what we're experiencing to think about it from a different way, like taking an objective view when we're already in the midst of something that is difficult and hard and causing us to have strange emotions. I wonder if we can talk just a bit about how do you do, I mean, that's the step one, right? The step one in this situation in managing change is like recognizing that there's something wrong and then figuring out what to do about it. And that's two steps maybe, and maybe there's something there, but (laughs) what is that step one? How do you, how, what practice do we need to have to allow ourselves to step out of our situation to recognize how we're managing our emotions or if we are at all in the midst of that change? Step one is to identify who your healthy supports are around you. And I say that because I can only speak for myself. There are oftentimes where I struggle to step out of the situation or to take um, my certain, you know, lens off of things and think objectively, even though I feel like I do in the moment, um, I'm often told by people like my wonderful parents who will tell me like it is, (laughs) um, that I'm actually not seeing the whole picture. And so speaking for myself, one of the first steps for me is to talk with those who I have a healthy relationship with and who I can trust to talk about what all is going on or what they've seen and process through how I'm responding. And if I'm responding in a way that is healthy or maladaptive, or if there are other ways I can look at it 
um, or if I'm catastrophe, sometimes I, get, I can catastrophize things. And so to have that support network around you, whether it's a professional or it's a family or friend can be really helpful as that step one for myself. Yeah. So processing with other people here in our, we've said this before, but here in ourselves, say the words that we're thinking and, and, and I'm a very verbal processor. So absolutely Kate, I have to do that too. I have to get with somebody and I have to like say the thing out loud. Yeah, I think yeah. with that Keith is you also have to do your best to start to try to define the problem because you don't know what your goal is through change or what you want until you kind of have an understanding of like, this is a problem, right? Okay. So we've agreed upon that. Otherwise we might just be working on like nine different things at any, you know, through this process without really knowing what we're targeting. I'm going to put you on the spot, John, and ask you for an example. Um, okay. So um, when somebody comes in um, for services and they're defining what's going on um, with the issue, they may describe something exactly the same as somebody that comes in right behind them. But their problem with the change that they may be experiencing could be totally different than the other person and need a, a totally different treatment regimen or style of therapy or, or processing. So um, another layer deeper than that might be practical right now. Two different people who have been working from home for eight weeks are both transitioning to go back to work into the office for the first time. Mm -hmm. They're both struggling and we could assume they're struggling with the same exact thing. But if we don't define what the actual issue is for you, that unique problem, then there's really no point in starting to try to problem solve around that or start to manage the emotions. And, and they could, the emotions could be coming out in, in, in totally different ways too. So I just wanna say explicitly and give two examples just for folks who are listening. So with that example, two folks are working from home. One is terrified to go back into the office because they're unsure if it is safe for their health, all right? So we have terror, terrified in the first one. One is ex just thrilled to go back to the office, but it's also a little sad that they're not gonna be the parent at home with their kids any longer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's tugging on. transition, but totally different. Same exact transition. And there can be joy and sorrow. And it might be working through that sorrow of how do I make amends with being my best self at work when I my, half my heart's at home. Yeah. Um, or I'm, I'm scared to be here. And so I don't know if I want to put both feet in this world. Again, so exact same transition, but are, are different, um, we're different people. So, and again, and I've, I've not been working from home, guys. I just, I just pulled that from up in my head, okay? So I'm not sharing anybody's story. Right. I just a medical example. Um, yeah. So let's, let's keep moving on this. I, we'll, let's take it back a, a level higher. So not anymore on that specific example. But I think that the person who's coming in and needs to describe their problem, like there's some reflection that has to go through that to you and be able to be aware of the problem. So there's, you know, there's talking, talking to your trusted supports, like Kate mentioned in the therapy counseling session, it might be with your, your mental health professional that you're working with, but there's, there's needs to be something there. One of the things that came to mind for me 
was um, going back to some of those self-care practices that you might have in place in any time. Sometimes during change and transition, it's hard to maintain some of your normal self-care practices. Uh, Kate and I talked about that two episodes ago. <laughs> but having those worked in, I think, is a really helpful way for you to give yourself that time to recognize the way that you're handling your emotions. And that's times maybe that uh, some things might come to light for you, that something's off and being able to start putting some words to what your problem is. Yeah, so be proactive in doing the things you know are going to be good for you, no matter what this is about to bring, is kind of what you're getting at there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Some other skills. So let's say we've, let's say we've identified the problem. So let's move to that next step. Um, what, are, what are some just some general skills that we could use uh, as we manage change? Um, I, so, so one for me is going to be an increased level of communication with those around you um, through it with, with your family, whether it be a change at work and your coworkers or, or, or with your, uh, in your personal life with your friends. Um, so a, a very high level of, of communication also with yourself too. You need to be talking through this and checking in with yourself as well, as cheesy as that may sound. So a high level of communication on, on that end, it can be a tendency to go into our very logical brain and try to strategize and, and, and think our way through the whole thing. Here's the deal, guys, and, and we're learning this tenfold with, with everything that's going on with the virus and, and, and um, in these phases, is that some of this change that we're going through is impossible to figure out. So yeah. we can't logically do it. It's a lose-lose. You turn right, and it's messed up. Uh, you think left, and it's also messed up just in a different way that way. So you have to be communicating and accepting that that's going to be a part of the process. Um, and, and so, yeah, a really high level of communication, checking in with those around you. How are you doing with this? What are your emotions around this? Rather than just like the, well, we gave you guys all the rules. We, we understand the steps that we are going to take. Um, you know, we've managed the change. It's like, no, it, it, just because you did that doesn't mean that you know how people are, are coping with it. Yeah. Just because they were coping with it okay yesterday doesn't mean that, that they're, they're doing as well or you're doing as well today. Yeah. That sounds very familiar to my own experience in these days. Thinking about when the, when the shift first started happening, I was, I was really good at connecting with friends and communicating about how I was feeling on a regular basis uh, multiple times a day. Um, I had friends that I was reaching out to and family members to express with. And last, probably the last week, I have been communicating much less. And that's been my natural tendency as I've continued to experience some of the emotions and the, the mental impacts of, uh, of these times. And the natural tendency is to close up for me. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I've noticed it with me and with many others, though, that, that when things are hard and chaotic, the tendency we want to do is just kind of close it up and get into ourselves and think about it a lot. Um, but it's a lot harder to get yourself, to, like it takes energy and effort to get yourself to communicate about that to other people. Keith, you broke into my mind and shared my story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I just, I mean, I've even shared that with Keith in the past couple of weeks of how... I have what was so refreshing to me four weeks ago of connecting with folks virtually is now not so refreshing any longer. And just being able to say those words out loud was part of my self-care and Mm self-awareness of saying, wow, Renee, when you do connect, you've got to be really genuine about it. 
And then when you don't connect, it's okay, right? It's, a, it's okay to tell your friends, I just can't. I can't and I'm okay. Um, that, that's tough. And so I think I really love, man, John and I just have so many similarities, uh, I think, in our personality and the way that we process things and the way that we communicate. And so I can't help but continue to speak about a skill that I have to bring into transitions, the smallest, the largest, is I've got to make sure that I'm clarifying expectations. What's expected of me and what do I expect of others? Um, and so for somebody like me, I have learned to use my voice to have that conversation. I need that space and time. And so I'm going to alert with my words until I'm allowed some of that space. Now, when I get in there, and I ask questions like, on what date will phase four roll out, please? <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? Because I need to clarify an expectation. I need to be okay with, Renee, we're three days into phase one. You will know well ahead of time before phase four gets here. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to hear that because that just clarified my expectation. So, yeah. so it is, it's about, it's about managing where I'm at, where I'm coming from, but I, maybe I just needed to ask that question. You know, and I've got a, an, an amazing team of 12 folks and I get 12 different questions and that's okay. And I have answers for probably one of them and 11 of them going, you know what? I'll get back with you. I don't know right now, but that's a great question. Hmm. And then some of them are going, I don't know. And I don't know if we, I'm going to know until we get there. Yeah. That's a skill in itself right there. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I have to find out. Because I, I feel like sometimes we get scared to say, I don't know. And I have really tried to overcome that because I cannot know everything. Um, I refuse to believe that I know everything. I might act like it sometimes. Um, but I refuse to believe that. Uh, so sometimes I have to pause and sit, and it's hard to say that. Um, I love, I love providing an answer. Kate, what about you? What are some practices you like to utilize to manage change? First one that I would just say is the importance of validation as a skill of not just others, but yourself and understanding yeah. that, you know, in any situation we're in, it's possible that you'll be experiencing, you know, sadness, anger, fear, all of those things, you know, at once or moving through those pretty quickly and to allow yourself to um, feel those emotions, to validate it and then work through them so that you don't get stuck in that state, but you also don't want to move through it so quickly that you never actually get to work through it. I also do a lot with um, challenging unhelpful thoughts. And so any situation that we're in, as we are working through that, either have um, some helpful thoughts or unhelpful. And if we get stuck in that unhelpful realm and start experiencing some uh, negative emotions with that, using some preset questions, I call them my th thought challengers, to kind of help push me back into a helpful realm of, you know, is what I'm experiencing real? Is it real to me? Is it what is actually taking place in the situation? Am I exaggerating the situation? But those are just a few examples that allow you to kind of move yourself from the unhelpful thoughts to healthier ones. So that's another strategy that I use. But the one that I have been using a lot more frequently now 
is I call them enjoying my grapes. And I actually really hate grapes unless they're like the cotton candy ones, which are fantastic. <laughs> Hold on. Did you say enjoying your grapes? My grapes. And like so, grapes. <laughs> so I love it because it's easy to remember when I think about grapes. Um, but it actually stands for gentle with self, um, relaxation, achievement, pleasure, exercise, and social. And all of these, wow. yeah, all of these concepts, I can't claim it. I really wish I could, but all of these concepts that come together, like gentle with self is providing yourself with positive affirmations, validation, being your own best friend, you know, relaxation. I often think about gratitude in that, um, starting the morning with gratitude, ending it, incorporating throughout the day achievement. I talk about kind of taking our own expectations off of that. It's not just getting a certain job or getting a raise. It's, you know, I got both feet on the ground today and I got up and I got on that zoom call that I've just really not been wanting to get on or, you know, I cleaned that room that's been dirty for two months. Or if you're like me, I did that laundry that I really needed to get done. <laughs> so again, taking expectations off there, finding the things that, uh, for pleasure that make you happy, you know, tracking what that is because remembering the things that can bring you joy and happiness can be difficult. So having that running list exercise, I think about just getting your body moving in a way that's fun and that you enjoy. And then with social, obviously that can look different. So I know like for myself, I need that time for me to fill my cut back up and I have to share those needs to my family and friends who maybe are more extroverted and who are needing a different type of support. And so, you know, finding ways to do all of these things, but grapes has been something I really, uh, kind of latched on to lately is just that reminder of, you know, where I'm at, what I need to do. So. Kate, you are so wise. I, I really appreciate um, um, these, these simple practices that you've made true to yourself. Mm-hmm. People can say these things um, and, and, and I'm guilty of this as well. I can teach some skills, but do I actually incorporate them into my life? That's all. That's a whole nother level of, of, of. Uh, right there with you. <laughs> John <laughs> No, I, I got it all down. Keith <laughs> yeah. got it all figured out. Yep. <laughs> um, um, so, so I, I enjoy the simplicity and the complexity, and that that is so much of what mental health is, guys. Is just yeah. things that just are mind blowingly complex and and impactful and beneficial and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think another one that I'll throw out there and through the process, this is just a general one is to, and maybe we've touched a little bit on this, but not take yourself so seriously. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so um, th- this is the analogy um, that, that popped in my head. You know, an escape room, those escape rooms that you go into. There's those like, are my favorite things ever. Yes. And, and I hope that we, I hope we get to a place where we can do those again. Right now, they are not. excuse Uh, me yes they are you can do them virtually (laughs) i have found them oh nice okay well anyways (laughs) you're with a (laughs) you're with a group of people and there's a door right and you have no idea what's behind that door and when that door and and a guy is giving you some instruction about what may happen and you've got 60 minutes to figure this darn thing out what if he said right at the end and do this without laughing at all what would end up happening in that escape room? You are going to end up getting so frustrated with yourself and with other people and, and, and maybe even, and I've had this experience in escape rooms, 
screaming and yelling at people who you love oh. <laughs> to try to figure it out, right? So if you can't just break down and just say, oh my God, we, we fumbled the ball here. We're messing this thing up. This is going to be weird. Let's not take ourselves so seriously. Uh, it's yeah. huge through this process. Winning isn't everything. But my breakout rate is pretty high. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was, that wasn't even a humble brag. That was just a straight up brag. Oh, zero, no humble. No humble. <laughs> I think that it's, it's so funny that you bring that up. One, because they, I've probably done 27. I love breakout rooms a lot. I love puzzles. I love figuring things out. But the really cool thing that you just mentioned from a personal place is I'm going into something that I have not thought about yet. I don't know what's on the other side. And some of that is just kind of relieving, right? It's, it's, it's just, I haven't had to think about it. I haven't had to plan anything. I get to go and enjoy and figure something out. Uh, so yeah, I want to go back and just say, Kate, it, the fact that you talked about those skills that you have, that is, it was like a, an expert level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that is, that surpasses. Experts to help me get to a place where I can. That's great. But John and I can say those things all day long. It is when someone owns them personally and then has behaviors that, that reflect those skills um, that is you, that is self-awareness, that is the individual, and that is, you know, that is movement as, as a person. And I think, just think that's really, I think it's just really profound. We could keep going with uh, some more skills and ideas, I think, because we're all, they're all fresh in our minds uh, because we're utilizing them ourselves right now um, to, to manage this, um, which I think is good. Like Renee said and Kate exemplified, um, it's one thing to know the skill and talk about it from a theoretic, theoretical practice or place. It's another thing to talk about it from your own lived experience about, hey, this is what I've applied and it, this is how it's worked for me. So I think that's, I think that's good. Uh, I, this might be a great time for us to give our wrap-up thoughts. And so I'm going to make this, this space a bit easier for us um, this time. So either a wrap-up thought suddenly with – or – one thing that you really wanted to share but didn't get a chance to jump in that's helpful in these times. And John, I can tell you want to go first. I'm glad that you said that last thing because this isn't a takeaway, but this is one final thing that that I wanted to share. So that was a beautiful setup and you didn't even know I wanted it. it, When doing something for the first time ever, um, or maybe the first time for you, get ready to fail and maybe fail spectacularly um, and, and accept that failure. Uh, so, so of course you can get frustrated when it's something you've done a hundred times and you mess it up. It, it's, it's probably inevitable you're gonna get down on yourself, but I've gotten really comfortable with failure because I have done it a lot. Um, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I learn. I'm not, I don't think I'm too different um, than, than a lot of people. And I'm in my work that I do with people um, they often um, mess things up or do things, uh, you know, that are maladaptive or, or not good for themselves. And so, yeah, I, I just, I, I've learned to celebrate it when somebody's like, man, I screwed that up. I'm like, yes. <laughs> what do we get to learn from that? And that means, and you're still here today. So let's, let's now let's learn. Let's take what did work from that and leave what didn't and try again and maybe mess it up again. So get comfortable with failure. Nice. Really good. Keith. 
I needed that set up as well. So thank you. I know I have shared this small phrase with my co-hosts here, but did not get to share it on this episode. And my phrase is anticipatory guidance. Sounds fancy. It's really not. So this is my challenge to folks who have information about a change or a transition that would be helpful to share with others. We've talked a lot about what we can do for ourselves and our emotions and using skills to move ourselves through change. This is a challenge I have for you to help somebody else. Um, if you have information, share it with them. If the information is you know, allowed to be shared, and here is one of my favorite ones in working so long with kids and families, it is, hey kids, it's time to go. Oh, that is tough, right? That means stop right now, but, but I have five more minutes. Cool, so next time, hey kids, in five minutes, I'm going to ask you to pick up, okay? I know it's a simple example and it's not a foolproof example. I know that, but it just goes back to if you have any piece of information that you can share with someone about a change or a transition, you could really put someone's mind at ease and not even know how much of a support or a help that is. So anytime you have the ability to give someone anticipatory guidance, I encourage you to do so. Big help with kids and adults alike. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kate, why don't you go next? I think the one that I would go with is the understanding that it's not selfish to take time for you during transitions and times of change or hey even when we're not going through transition and change to take care of yourself for those who are helpers at heart or those where guilt might come rather easily i just encourage you to then change the way you think about it say you know my kids need the best of me my job needs the best of me so to do that i need to take care of myself uh first it's not selfish at all connected uh to that I want to jump back to something that we learned in episode 11 when Shannon Burgess was a guest on the show. And she was talking about when we have stressful work situations, but it applies for change too, is that is the time to identify the parts of that situation you can control and to do those. So really simple, like eating healthy and getting enough sleep are like, and maybe some physical activity, like those three things are just really simple starters that even right now in the midst of transitioning back to work or opening business or changing our daily routines, you still have probably a, a decent amount of control over what you're eating and when you're going to bed at night um, and if you're going to do any physical activity. And those are three things that I know I have found to be great struggles as I've been home for a long time, but also great impact. And when I'm doing those well, I can notice a change in uh, my um, emotions and behavior the rest of the day. And when I'm not, I also notice a change. Um, and so that would be my one uh, throwback to episode 11 appropriate today. So thanks for listening to another episode. I'm Keith. I'm Keith. I'm John. I'm Renee. And it's okay if you're not okay.